Good morning, everybody. Today's the Marin County Assessment Appeals Board meeting. We are in the Board of Supervisors Chambers, room 330 of the Marin County Civic Center. Today is Monday, July 18, 2022 at 9.07 a.m. I'm gonna do roll call. Board Member Brinkerhoff? Here. Board Member Sorensen? Here. Chair Rollins? Here. Board Member Weathers? Here. Board Member Gremmels? Here. Chair Kugelman? The first item on the agenda is the election of chairpersons for 2022-23. And we can begin with the Assessment Appeals Board number one. I nominate Board Member Brinkerhoff? Aye. Board members? <laughs> Board Member Sorensen? Yes. Chair Rollins? Okay, board number two. Uh, I nominate uh, Tom Weathers. Okay. Board member Weathers? Aye. Board member Gremmels? Yep. Chair Kugelman? Yep. Okay, all right. Okay, the next item is assessment appeals, board appeals reports. And in your packet, you have the activity table from 2021-22. And um, as you can see, the first item there in the column is filed in 2021-22, 294 cases, and it's broken down by residential, commercial, business, personal, and um, vessel. And you can see the amount of cases that were carried forward from the years below. And the stats are at the bottom. Question. So I get R's residential, C's commercial? Correct. DP is business property? Correct. Business personal. And O? Vessel. Boat. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Aircraft. Other, I guess, yeah. no other questions or comments we can go on to the next item yes unprocessed time or 617 mm -hmm. and we have about 60 that are unprocessed that are being processed currently if that makes sense 
As you can see, the next item is a historical report of all applications filed from all fiscal years. Out of curiosity, maybe the assessment, the assessor's office, like 09, 010 was 1,200 cases, mm -hmm. and then 21, 22 is <laughs> 294. That's a radical drop. Is there, I'm just curious why. Well, as you can see, if you're looking at the historical report of applications filed, what you'll see is that starting down in 1984, um, looking all the way up, it seems to be about every 11 to 12 years is when we see the cases um, really evolve to the uh, four digits. Um, like in 1996, it's um, cases, and then 2009, it's 1,200 cases. So we're fully expecting we're, we're right at the 12-year mark right now. <laughs> so we're fully expecting that we may see some more applications. I don't know how much, how many more. Um, so far, the real estate uh, um, values seem to be holding out nicely, but with the interest rates up, that's anybody's guess. So that was the reason behind my question about how many outstanding cases do we have. And I think I've reported on this before that we had, uh, last time we checked, it was over 500 cases that we had outstanding. And because of COVID, and we had um, some months where we didn't have any hearings, we have all these cases that are now backed up. So the clerk has been adding approximately 45 to 50 cases per hearing. Is that correct? About 50, correct. Okay, trying to kind of manage some of the outstanding balance. But yes, in, in regards to your question, we could see quite a few more applications coming in this year. Thank you. That's when, when we get all these extra filings. Thank you. There are no more comments or questions. The next report would be the 180-day report. And as you can see, most of the cases have already been scheduled. I was listed on the report.
if, if I may make a comment for, from the assessor side, Lynn, perhaps you can um, testify to this as well. I think this is one of the largest 180-day reports that I've seen since I've been working with the assessment appeals, and that's been approximately 15-plus years. So, so there's quite a bit on here that, again, we're trying <coughs> to manage and, and work through. Lynn, have you seen a 180-day report this large? Oh, have you? Okay, so. Okay. <laughs> so another indicator that we might be getting closer to some larger uh, volume of application, assessment appeal applications. Right. I think we're experiencing that um, loss of employees and tenured knowledge throughout the county, so that's been s systemic throughout the nation, not just here with the county of Marin. I don't know if you have anything further, Professor uh, Scott, to add to that. No, we've, we've had also a lot of vacancies. I mean, we've had a lot of turnover. In fact, I'd probably say of all of our 17 reporting staff, there might only be one or two that have 10 or more years of experience. The rest are probably six or less. We've been experiencing a turnover as well, and that's been due to retirements and also COVID. I think people have just been looking at it, gone to retirement and said, you know, okay, for a few more years to actually work, it's a couple hundred bucks, forget it. I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving. We've had a lot of people that have retired and actually just left the area. It's very difficult and very expensive to live here. That's also why we've had challenges um, trying to hire people, certainly because uh, it is so expensive to live here. And, you know, the county's pay is what it is. I have a question. Um, is the August 26th meeting assessment appeals board one or two? Board one. I potentially have a conflict of interest with one of these uh, applicants, the Strauss family creamery, that's, excuse me, Strauss family creamery, the creamery that's listed here. So I don't know what we do about I that. believe they had requested a postponement, but I will have to check okay. into that, and I'll let you know. I Thank you. I believe you are correct, Madam Clerk. <clears throat> Your packets is also the hearing calendar for 2022-23, the rest of this year and for next year. 
And um, it has been brought up about how many hearings we should hold a month. And right now, since we do have a staffing crisis in our office, and um, with me being the only one doing AAB, I think we should just, um, it'd be more doable for me to keep it at one meeting per month. And in comparison to prior calendars, we have basically doubled or tripled the amount of cases. So holding 50 cases is pretty, pretty good, and that's right now manageable for me. I don't see a need to hold other meetings because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to keep up. Well, I'm just going to interject a little bit here. 50 cases is a lot for my staff. And I know you're only one, but also looking at the backlog and where we may be headed just in terms of the economy. If we do see an uptick in cases, I think that that's just gonna, it's just kind of kicking that can down the road. And at some point, I mean, I don't know if you guys are even gonna consider a hearing officer or not. I mean, this is your board's option, but that is an option I brought up at the last meeting. Um, if it's something you all want to consider at some point, maybe not this year, but perhaps next, just to um, take a look at that. If I may interject as well, um, again, having the hearing officer position, I had done some research into this, and again, that's like extra hearing hearings for me to do. So if we can reconsider it, possibly next year and see how well we do with um, getting through all these cases. It's like adding another hearing. It's quite a bit. I'm the only one and um, I just, just basically jumped into AAB in February. So if we can kind of consider it maybe next year and see where we stand and then hopefully Somebody we'll get that's more. that's gonna come on to help you? Um, we're looking at a part-time person. <laughs> that's really <clears throat> not much help, so if we can reconsider it maybe down the future, in the future, that would, yeah. What's the population requirement to have a hearing officer? Um, the population? Of the county. Oh, gosh, 250-something, am I, Andrea? You know, I don't know the exact number. I, I know what you're talking about. I know that um, with LA County, because their population is so large, that there's different parameters that are applicable for assessment appeals. But as far as the, the number, the aggregate number, I don't know that right off the top of my head. However, I believe that we are um, eligible for a hearing officer within this county. And I'm, we, we, we weren't eligible. Um, I believe that we are now. I believe Shelley had, um, Assessor Scott had researched that at one particular point. Do you recall? Uh, 200,000. Is it 200,000? Okay. So we're, we're beyond that um, population limitation. Is that correct? I, I know that when I started, which was at that uptick to 1,100, that Lynn was scheduling, I think, every three or four weeks. We just, you know, sort of leap in and get your feet wet, and um, we managed to get through it, but Lynn is better able to speak to that one. Fifty or more cases, because there's always a lot of postponements. There's always a lot of withdrawals. 
And even when I was scheduling cases, sometimes every other week, it almost killed me because there's the same amount of work for each hearing, whether you've got them every other week and when you've got that many balls that you're juggling and you're one person. I was here very late some nights on my own dime, not being paid, and that's not supposed to be said. But it is the truth, and we have a new person here who's only been on the job for eight months, and she's doing a remarkable job, but it's too much for one person to be handling that kind of a workload. It's just too much. And, and that's uh, At the time that I was handling it, I had been on the job for about five or six years. That makes a big difference. I think that, that you're making my point that it seemed to me at the time that it was incredibly grueling for you and, and for the, the panels because we had to keep changing gears. So the use of a hearing officer might be beneficial. I, I would well, think that's a good idea. We did Just have curious. a hearing officer before my time, way before my time, and that's when the two boards were formed. They did away with the hearing officer and added a second board so that the boards could fill in for each other if somebody had a conflict or couldn't be here. But it's the exact same amount of work for the clerk if it's a hearing officer hearing the case or if it's a full board hearing the case. And the only difference is that she has payroll to do for two more people for a board, but that's it. The rest of it's all the same on, on the clerk's side. On the assessor's side, it may be very different, I don't know. But on the clerk's side, you're still noticing cases. There's additional noticing required for a hearing officer. There's a full meeting. You're setting up the room. You're doing the minutes. You're doing everything that you would do for a full meeting, except you have one person instead of three. And there are certain cases that can't go on the hearing officer. The really large commercial cases and things like that can't go before a hearing officer. But it's an incredible amount of extra work to expect of the clerk. I, I have a question and a possible suggestion. I'm just curious. I don't know what your meeting schedule is with uh, the county administrator or the board of supervisors, but I, I'm not sure if there's any money left, but I know that there was some money that was given for various COVID. Since we have a backlog because of COVID, perhaps there's an opportunity to get some fixed term employees to help with this lift and to move the backlog and to try and you know, push through it maybe with the hearing officer, maybe only, maybe only for two years, but also maybe with that two years and we start it next year so that we have an opportunity to train um, that we could pull on another one or two people. I don't know what your schedule is in terms of speaking with them, whether or not there's any additional funds, whether or not there's something that can be tapped in terms of federal or state money that may have been given to the county as one-term money one-time use so that we might be able to um, solve the problem. Just a question. I, I don't know how often you guys meet, but it's just a suggestion that you might want to have that conversation. I, I don't think I've met with the board since I've been appointed. <laughs> don't have regular meetings? No, we don't. Oh, you do not? I was thinking the same thing you were, but on the flip side, maybe you would be the person to go to the board and say, I, hey, I, we need a second clerk. Well, I've gotten my extra staff because I have a tremendous workload and trust me, they want the role closed and they want it closed timely. I, I have been allowed, not only that, we've implemented Prop 19. That was a heavy work and a heavy lift for my folks. 
So we did get an additional funding. I got an additional uh, three fixed-term people to help with that lift to get it done and going. It's only for two years. I've got another uh, three people that are coming on for three years. And, you know, because I'm also anticipating retirements as well. So this is also to backfill some of that as well. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't realize you didn't meet with the board on a regular basis and or Matthew to, to okay. We might want to team up. <laughs> <laughs> but let, let me ask the board. Would, I mean, I'm good if, if Ms. Scott wants to talk to the supervisors and see if we can get a second clerk. I have no objection to that. What are your thoughts? I'm fine with that. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So maybe you could bring reach it up out. discreetly. I don't know how that works. I'll reach out. I meet regularly with the board and Matthew. Okay. Thank you. So is that an agenda item that we can pend for the um, semi-annual meeting? Maybe discuss that because the semi-annual meeting is usually January, February. Is that correct, Madam Clerk? February. I think it's March. On the it was March this last, yeah, but it's usually February. That's what I was instructed. I have it on, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I do have it listed as March because I followed from this last past year. I apologize. Yeah. March, okay. On the calendar. Could we, could we add that agenda item, pin that to, to March? I don't know if there's an opportunity for a group discussion before that, but um, next meeting with okay. then under old business I had also included in your packets a copy of the minutes from the March mid-year meeting in which these items listed on the agenda were carried over from conduct of the AAB hearings either in person or hybrid we were going to See how things were going, how to move forward, either just in person or both. And I've also included the LTA, the letter that was um, produced at the last uh, mid-year meeting for review again.
Madam Clerk, can I ask, what's been the general response from applicants as we've gone back in person? They prefer in person. And what do you prefer? I personally, I like in person. And you guys, the assessor's office? In person. In person. I'm good with in person. I am too. Yeah, it's also more expensive in terms of staff uh, to work all that out, the people behind the scenes. It's much easier on the assessor as well. Um, the parameters that we run into with uh, a virtual hearing is everyone has a different level of technology use and application. And so there's a, a lot of uh, training that goes on not only for the clerk, but also for the assessor's office when someone doesn't have a higher aptitude in technology. <laughs> so uh, it, it is a lot easier on us. And then also I think um, the agents, uh, the, the meaningful relationship between the assessor and the agents uh, seems to be a little bit more uh, friendly when we're in person versus virtual. I think we'll continue with in-person. Okay. The boards agree to hold um, AAB hearings in person. Um, the next item is uh, regarding the hearing date confirmation notices. And Ms. Balk, did you want to take it from here? Sure. Um, in the past, our hearing date confirmation notices have been prepared to notice and uh, allow an applicant to complete the hearing date confirmation notice and send it back indicating that they will be attending the hearing. However, when that case gets moved to an alternate calendar for postponement, that or even a continuance, um, that case is placed on the calendar and the hearing date confirmation notice is not required to be returned in a position to where we don't know if we should prepare or not and I'm going to give you an example um, as I mentioned earlier a lot of times uh, uh, single family dwellings a property owner will file a, an appeal application and as I mentioned it's a learning curve um, for them and it's a teaching opportunity for the clerk as well as for the assessor's office they may be postponed and put onto an alternate calendar and we're trying to get in touch with them. They've been in touch with us in the past. However, this postponed calendar date, they're not in touch with us and we don't know if they're going to be showing up. So that puts the assessor in the position to where we need to prepare for that particular hearing and yet we may get to the hearing and that applicant doesn't show up. So that's many hours that were spent preparing for that hearing and they don't, they don't arrive at the hearing and the case is dismissed and then of course the applicant has an opportunity for reinstatement 
after they discover the case was dismissed. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. What would be really helpful is if that hearing day confirmation notice was required every time that that case is put on the calendar. That would be very helpful. Madam Clerk, do you have anything to add on that? I absolutely agree with you and I would be happy to do that. Is there a way to automate that for you just so that you're not, I don't know with your new system that you have if this is something that can be automated so that every case that comes out, this can just go out? Yes, it, it will be, it's fine. Okay, it's wonderful, thank you. The reason that was changed was because there's that 21 day opportunity for postponement as a matter of fact. And when they've already had a postponement, they no longer have that 21 days. And so we would need a different kind of hearing confirmation notice. I believe it was at one of the annual meetings back when I was still around as a regular employee um, that this was discontinued to be sent out. I think they could still get a notice that says it was continued and when it's continued to or postponed to. But they, we stopped sending the hearing date confirmation because of that 21-day period. It was decided that They'd already been noticed. They'd already had the opportunity to request postponement. And if we send it out again with the 21 days on it, people were requesting a second postponement. Would we modify the hearing date confirmation notice? No. Well, the notice says one time postponement. So if I, they check the box a second time, how difficult is it for you, Madam Clerk, to shoot them an email and say, hey, You've already used your one-time postponement. Yeah, it would be no problem at all because they usually email. Mm-hmm. It would be fine. I think okay. it's manageable. So I think mm-hmm. this form, I'm good with it. Any objection from you guys? Send it out every time? I, I make a motion that we send the um, hearing date confirmation notice out every time. I'll second. All in favor? Little, little any discussion? discussion. I just, I just want to make sure that this isn't one of those notices that uh, that the state board has to approve. We've run into that. In right. The past. <laughs> it has not been changed, and there'll be no changes proposed. We're just going to send it out, and if I'm notified, they, the applicant calls me or emails me, I will tell them they have used up their one time, and that's happened several times. Unless they stipulate, of course, I won't say that, you know, well, yes, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yes, no issue. Okay, Board Member Sorensen? Yes. Board Member Rollins? Yes. Chair Brinkerhoff? Yes. Board Member Gremmels? Yes. Board Member Kugelman? Yes. Chair Weathers? Aye. And the Assessor's Office... On this, Ms. Valve, did you want to talk on this item number um, 3C, holding pre-hearing conferences? I don't have too much to add with regards to that. We haven't utilized it too terribly much this past fiscal year, but we probably will be utilizing it more in the future since we have so many outstanding cases. And typically what we like to do is um, put something on the um, pre-hearing conference that would lead into the valuation um, review at the hearing. 
Um, so most of the time, the pre-hearing conferences might be something a little bit more legally complicated, and uh, that's when we typically would schedule it for a pre-hearing conference when there's a, a question about the legality, perhaps, of the application, or um, say, for example, there is a use that is not fully understood of the property, so something of that nature might be the reason for the pre-hearing conference, but we fully intend that we might be utilizing that a little bit more in the future. Um, so that does create more um, scheduling issues. Um, however, we would just be changing most of the calendar dates to a pre-hearing conference. So that calendar, that specific assessment appeal calendar date might be split to where it's a pre-hearing conference for maybe one or two cases, and then the rest of the day would be for the actual cases that are scheduled for the day. So the pre-hearing conference is before the assessment appeal board, not, not with the assessor's office staff? That's correct. It's with the assessment appeals board. So we typically utilize the calendar dates that are on the proposed calendar. And like I said, that that hearing might get split out. Typically, the pre-hearing conference is usually in the morning before the rest of the assessment appeal cases are heard. Is there a, a, an opportunity to, I mean, I, what would seem efficient to me was try to narrow the issues in some of these cases. And yes. I assume you try to do that anyway. But, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in my short time on the, on the board, it seems like it, there's still a lot of things that are that could have been agreed on in, in advance, and I don't know if there's any kind of informal conference that you hold with the applicants or could hold that can do that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of a lot of what um, happens when we step into the assessment appeal review is one of two things. It might be a property owner who is trying to discover the process, and we try and walk them through that discovery. So it's a lot of education on our part to walk them through that, and we might have them come into the office and we meet with them and discuss, discuss the um, value as well as the procedures of the assessment appeal hearing and try and uh, give them a bit of an education. Um, the second piece is it's a rather large commercial property with a lot of complex um, pieces to the assessment appeal. Uh, a lot of times the use comes into play. For example, if we've got an office building that's vacant, that use may come into question because the office building is no longer utilized as office space. So those are just some samples of some questions that we, we definitely review on a, a weekly basis. <clears throat> There's no more discussion. We can go on to the next item. And I believe hearing officer position was actually covered under item two, unless there's anything else somebody wants to add or talk about. Okay. Under new business, this has been brought up a few times. And um, to be fair and impartial to the public, we are actually in discussions. Um, preliminary discussions about placing documents, evidence up on the television screen during hearings, keeping in mind that the information that's private and personal for the applicant will be viewed by others. So we're, we're talking about that. 
comments and discussion. It'll be easier for the board members too when applicant is talking about something, we can just see it. And so when, you, when there's reference being made, it's gonna be helpful, so. When you say viewed by others, you, it's also on the internet also? Or? It's currently right now and then others who do come to the hearing, the other applicants right. and everybody else who's here, yes. Yeah. Is there a waiver that the person could sign that oh, they want to use it? Well, I think there's really, hmm, that's a good question because the application form itself is a public document and that does have a lot of personal information on there as well, like email and mailing address information. I can look into that. I think it would be very helpful to do that. Nothing else. Can I just add? Since we're going back in person, I, I personally like to have electronic copies. Of the, it's easier for me to follow along. Like when we're doing Zoom, that was much easier for me to follow through. So if the, I don't know if that's too much of an ask. If it is, I'll withdraw it. But I, that's something that if, if the reports are available electronically, it could be shared. Um, you not, mean not a big deal. on the screen during the, or Just right now? Instead of getting like the hard packet at the beginning mm -hmm. of the day. Electronic version? Personally easier for me. Okay. Yeah. If, if a problem or more work is not really, you know, not that big a deal. We can give that a try. Yeah, I don't, I can't see anything right now. I'll just find out. Let me look into it more. <laughs> but I don't think that'll be an issue. Are you gonna bring your iPad? Yeah, I'll bring okay. um, uh, Mr. Kukelman, I do wanna add, we, the assessor's office submits all, all of our reports electronically. Um, we have a shared drive with the Assessment Appeals Board clerk, and so we do submit everything electronically, so that's not a problem from the assessor. I don't know for the applicant um, how big of an ask that might be. Uh, I know that was quite a task for the clerk in the past to acquire the electronic versions from the applicant, like I mentioned earlier um, in this hearing, is that there's uh, such a, a varying level of technology knowledge with many of the applicants, but the assessor's willing to do that. That's not a problem. I think if anything's just available electronically, yes. I would take that, and if it's coming in hard copy form, it's right. not worth the time and effort to scan and you know organize that, I get that. Let me see what I can do. We can give it a try, and then just to let the assessor's office know, I don't have that drive, and I've still been working with IT okay. at that. So. so we need to we need to get that to you. Okay, okay. The board. Okay. Uh, one of the other things I'd like to add with regards to this is a, a couple of things. The assessor would typically be using these screens. Say, for example, there's a map of the property that be could go up on the screen and make it a little easier to explain to all the board members at the same time rather than trying to describe to you as you're staring at a map. It's over to the left to the north and you know trying to just point it out to you on the screen would be a little bit easier. The one concern that I'm sure that um, <clears throat> the county would have as well is if an applicant comes in with say a flash drive and I'm not sure for the moderator or the moderator I think just stepped out I'm not sure that um, we could take a flash drive and plug that in I think that there might be a fear of viruses and things of that nature so I don't know exactly if this can be offered to the um, applicants or and to the public in general 
So I think that's something that we would have to discover, do a little bit more discovery with to make sure that there's, um, there's safety protocols with regards to our electronic equipment. I would, I would also think that if it's made available to the assessor, that it would be inappropriate not to make it available to the general public. Absolutely. And if the general public has or lacks the ability to take advantage of it, then the assessor should not be relying on it. Absolutely. And that's the, the exact reason why we requested yeah. this to be put on the agenda, because we want that equality straight across the board. And um, Board Member Kugelman, just getting back to your comment, packets are not also supposed to be open before the hearing. Okay, very good. I know the uh, Ms. Bell, the Planning Commission and the Board of Supervisors allows an applicant or, or someone to submit a flash drive, but they have to do it, to use a flash drive during the hearing. Okay. But they have to submit it in advance. Got it, okay. Yeah, there's... That may um, be the reason they have to submit it in advance is to check for viruses. Perhaps the moderator can um, offer a little bit more insight. Uh, I know that I've ch chatted with the moderator before and they said they could definitely put something up on the screens, but again, I wanna make sure that it's offered to the applicants before the assessor takes advantage of that. Good morning, this is the moderator. Yes, uh, the documents can be displayed on the screens as needed. And is there any fear of, uh, is there um, uh, safety with regards to an applicant coming in with a flash drive? Yes, uh, well, we, we do not make the, uh, the laptop that can connect to the output available at your location where you're sitting, there's okay. a place where, where applicants will be able to connect their device and through their device display the content. Okay. Now, if they give us a USB key, we're still able to run that and do it from, from behind you, the, the control station. Uh, in some considerations of um, antivirus uh, and, and, or, or malware that may be um, maliciously placed in that USB key is possibility, but that would be a consideration for county uh, security, county IT. Okay, thank you. So that's something that we should definitely um, clear through our IST department here with the county of Marin before offering that to the public. Thank you, Mr. Moderator. You're welcome. I, I would just add that if someone, an applicant, and it's going to be a sophisticated commercial applicant in most cases, chooses to make use of that, that we still require that they deliver the hard copies because we did have one case where getting hard copies was more difficult than pulling teeth from a horse, <laughs> and I've had that experience. <laughs> I've, I've never had that experience. <laughs> you have. You were present at that case. I was present at that case, but yes, and that was very difficult, and there was a high volume of uh, copies that they needed to prepare, and we I don't believe to this day that we've seen the actual hard copies. No, and they didn't even provide the jump drives for us to be able to look at it. So I think we need to be adamant about because the moment you allow them mm -hmm. that electronic access, 
or display, they can add more and more and more when they're limited by the cost or the difficulty of printing up six copies or whatever it is. They tend to be more choosy about what they deliver. Definitely. And the large cases that I'm thinking about that are ahead of us, I, I, I'm pretty certain that we will be setting that up as a pre-hearing conference. And perhaps once we find out a little bit more information from our IST department, our technology department, um, we can then try and bridge that gap as, as to uh, what is expected by the board members as well as what might be available electronically. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is there anything else that you want to talk about? General, I do have a question for the county council that are present. I understand the policy is not to let us review the packets until the day of the hearing. Is there a legal impediment to us reviewing the packets before the hearing? And the reason I ask that is I'm sometimes frustrated that I, I get all this information and I'm in one ear trying to listen to what everybody says. At the same time, I'm trying to read it all to process what the real issues are. And it's a lot. And in my practice and experience, if I can look at something beforehand and get prepared, at least I know what the issues are and I know what I need to listen for. But since I've been on this board, it's you get the packet the day of the hearing and then you open it and then you're trying to figure out what's going on while trying to listen to everybody speak. So is there a legal requirement that we can't? look at those packets beforehand? I believe so, and I'll let council chime in on that. Yeah, you know, I'd have to look at Brown Act, discussing it, but I guess it might be another source, though. Yeah, this board is not subject to the Brown Act, but there's another legal requirement that the board members cannot even when that's why at the mid-hearing meeting, we change it where I would submit the applications to you three days before the hearing, but all the other evidence material you cannot see and you're forbidden to even drive by the properties. Of course, if it's been postponed or, or you've heard it continued, I should say, but you're not allowed to open any of that until the day of the hearing. And I don't know the, the code or off my, the top of my head, I apologize. Say I can uh, also add a little bit to that. I don't know the code section off the top of my head, but it is essentially what your council had just mentioned, that there is a requirement that any evidence that is considered by the board be considered during the proceeding, and so that's in uh, the past the code section that has been relied on to say that nothing can be opened, although I, I share your <laughs> your concern or position that if I were sitting there, I'd want to be able to look at it ahead of time as well. Um, that is the reason that it has been done that way, though, in the past. It's just because it has to be considered during the actual proceeding. And you can find uh, more information on this in the actual assessment appeal manual, which is online through the State Board of Equalization's website. Thank you. Yeah, just on that issue, and I, I agree with Thomas that uh, be, it would be very beneficial to get that information in advance. And I've looked at the manual. I didn't see it. A specific code section other than the section that says we cannot hear evidence outside and I don't disagree with either of you on both of those <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's the position you know I have to defer to the board's counsel on that issue and I think that's in the past the way that it's been done and so that's 
interpretation of the rule that's been given. We've had this discussion every couple of years for <laughs> decades okay. because everybody's, everybody. <laughs> I'm happy to look into it and see if there's any way to get it Yeah, just off the top of my head, I don't know. I think that that's why we end up taking things under consideration. <laughs> I certainly agree that the rule that is being relied on is about as clear as mud. It does <laughs> not say that you cannot review anything outside. That is just the interpretation that it has been given. I think not only in, in this county, but in other counties as well. Yeah. In fact, we do review it outside because we take it under consideration. And, or in a postponement, I think that everyone is looking at it before the next meeting. So. Again, I don't disagree with you. <laughs> and I'm glad that you brought that up. That's one thing that um, as we do training within our office and trying to explain to our staff members that this is the first time that the board is hearing this. So you need to walk them through the steps. And so this is, this is excellent for us to be hearing this as well so that it's a reminder to us to maybe take it a little bit slower. However, the hard part is, is we have now 40 to 50 cases that we're going to be putting onto every calendar and trying to triage through that and get through the day. So um, please feel free to stop us and say, I'm not understanding a piece of this, and we're happy to go back through it because we certainly understand that this is the very first time that you're seeing this information and you're trying to absorb it. We work with this stuff all day long. For us, it's kind of, you know, normal. But for you, it's new. So please feel free any time that it's confusing. And in my experience, that same issue comes up with the applicants is they don't, some of them don't necessarily understand what the issue is. Absolutely. And they just ramble for an hour all <laughs> over the place. And I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to figure out what are you trying to say? What's the point? And I don't know if there's a way to do an issue statement. I, I don't know. I just, I mean, Alex and I are lawyers, and so I think at least I look at this, I come at this a little differently from sort of a legal background, and I'm a tribal court judge, and so <laughs> I, I, the way I've been taught is different than what I'm experiencing here, and I don't, it's, it's I'm uncomfortable going into a hearing basically blind, and, and I don't, if there's a way to mitigate that or anything, it would be very helpful. You need stronger glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a new prescription. <laughs> anyway. And you're but, correct. I mean, the like I mentioned earlier, the education piece that we try and take the applicants through, most of the agents have a very good understanding of the Revenue and Taxation Code and how property tax rules work. But for the single-family uh, property owner, and all they want is their value reduced. That's They don't care about the X, Y, and Z or the rules or anything else or Proposition 13 unless that means that their value is going to be lowered. So it's really hard to walk someone through that. And as we've seen, we have a property owner that's using comps from all over the place, various date ranges, and they don't understand why they can't utilize that. Um, and that's exactly what your board is is here for, is to help us kind of bridge that gap. But believe me, we do try. We try and get them to a place of understanding before they get here because we realize that this is not something that everyone on this board works with every day. So we do give it our best attempt, but sometimes we're not successful. 
Well, I, I appreciate all you do, and I just want to say I've been on this board a year, year and a half now, and I think you all do an excellent job. Thank you. In the Thank assessor's you. Office. Yes. I've been very impressed. I think the county council has been great. I think the clerk's office has been phenomenal. So I'm, I'm very honored to be on this board and, and being able to work with you all. So please don't feel like you're falling short in any way. I think you guys are doing a great job, and I'll just figure out a way to get up to speed myself. Well, there's there's always room for improvement, so I like I like the feedback. That's definitely helpful to us. Thank you very much. And we appreciate all of the board members showing up for every hearing. Very much appreciated. Um, on, on holding our hand, making sure we understand. Um, <laughs> for the most part, usually we could save a bunch of time if, if, uh, if the assessor doesn't read word for word Absolutely. all the way through you know the process that got us here and 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 what's going on that's it that's on paper i don't think it needs to be okay read in order to be in the record i don't think it does it's because it's a part of the documents that have been presented um and it just takes a lot of time you know listening to well you know they they came here once they requested a a a, a um a postponement um, they bought the house here. This improvements happened there. We did this. Let's get to the issues first. Um, okay. What, what's really going on? That's great um, input. Thank you. Um, I think what we could probably do, we do have to give you a little bit of history because a lot of these things pertain to the Prop 13 value. So I think we can do some bullet points, and um, we've been working to achieve that. Just go over the high points and get straight to the issue at hand. So thank you. I appreciate, again, the input's very helpful. It'll help us triage through the calendars. So thank you. We have, we have two of our best here in the room today. Um, we have David Seedy with us and Constance Wild, and they both have been working um, quite a bit on the assessment appeals um, I don't know if you want to wave and say hello. <laughs> we know him. <laughs> we know David. Uh, may, I, may I say something with both what Tom brought up? And, and that's the pre-hearing you know, pre conferences is a good way, if it's really a, a complicated matter, where you can find out a little bit about the case. I know my big one was always Skywalker Ranch. We would have a pre-conference every time with the Skywalker Ranch. And any of any of Lucas's holdings because they were so complicated, and that's where we iron things out is his pre-conference hearings. And if it's really difficult, that's the time to use them. So, absolutely. And and as I mentioned earlier, we will be uh, utilizing that that feature. Uh, the pre-hearing conferences will be utilized probably coming up in the next couple of months. Okay. If there's nothing else, then we can adjourn. And, and thank you, Council and Madam Clerk. And as uh, Madam Clerk had mentioned earlier, she's relatively new on the job, and it's amazing the level of detail she's been um, applying to each hearing, and uh, it's been running really smooth. Thank you. I do. Thank you. Need a motion, or we just adjourn? And just adjourn. All right. Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs>